From Quoted Studios and executive producer David Gerlach, this is Blank on Blank, distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. I'm Amy Drozdowska. If you had to pick a name synonymous with genius, it would be Albert Einstein. But you've probably heard the story that when he was a small child, he didn't seem destined for much. He was years behind other children when it came to learning to talk. He did horribly in school. It seems that Einstein's brain just worked differently than most other people's. And many people these days are saying that Einstein was probably autistic. One of them is Temple Grandin. We gotta think about different ways of thinking. You know, in my work with animals, you know, you gotta get away from language, totally get away from language to understand it. Temple Grandin is a professor of animal sciences who's worked in the meat industry to invent kinder ways to lead cattle to slaughter. She's also autistic, the high-functioning version known as Asperger's syndrome. Autism, in case you don't know, is a brain disorder that tends to affect people's social skills, like the ability to read facial expressions and body language. But it can also mean extraordinary talent in math, music, and the visual arts. Temple Grandin has become something of a celebrity of autism. She's written books, given TED Talks, like the one we just heard a bit of. And she's been around the world to speak on the subject. Claire Danes has even played her in a movie about her life. As part of our special series, The Experimenters, uncovering interviews with the icons of science, technology, and innovation, we found this interview in the holdings of Colorado State University, where Temple teaches. In this conversation, Temple's at her best, explaining for the rest of us what it's really like to have an autistic brain, and how Einstein's not the only genius who could have been dismissed for being different. Here's the tape. I read about someone who tested a, a piece of equipment in their head for many days to see if it was working. Do you do that? I think that was Tesla, and it was spinning a dynamo dynamo for the uh, electric power plant and you could tell whether it was going to be off balance and not work. And Tesla definitely today would be diagnosed autistic. If you got rid of all of the genes that cause autism, you'd be rid of Carl Sagan, you'd be rid of Mozart. Einstein today would be labeled autistic. He had no speech until he was two years old. I mean, half of all the people that, that work these big tech companies have got at least a mild version of Asperger's. If you didn't have a little bit of those Asperger autistic genes, you wouldn't even have any computers. See, there's a continuum from a very severe autism, where they stay nonverbal, all the way up to brilliant scientists, brilliant artists, brilliant, you know, lots of different things. I just love the flying things. When I was a child, I loved model airplanes that flew. I loved kites. If it flew, I liked it. I made parachutes out of scarves, and I figured out how to throw them up in the air and not have the strings all tangle up. And then when I got into high school, it was horses. Horses, horses, and more horses. about autism and then Asperger's, which is the milder form of autism where there's no speech delay, they are specialist thinker. 
The thing about the autistic Asperger mind is a specialist mind. Good at one thing, bad at something else. Mm -hmm. There's like three kinds, and I have figured this out from interviewing people. There's a visual thinker like me that thinks in photorealistic pictures and has a horrible time with algebra because there's no way to visualize it. The next kind is the pattern thinking mind, the music and math mind. They think in patterns. They don't think in photorealistic pictures. I mean, think things like extreme origami. These people tend to be weak in things like reading and writing composition. And then the third type is the word fact mind. They know every statistic. They would be great working in the reference library. And they're absolutely not a visual thinker. Now, my brain is visually indexed. I'm basically totally visual. I mean, everything in my mind works like, you know, a search engine set for the image function. And you type in a keyword, and I get a pictures. And it comes up in an associational sort of way. And I want you to give me some keywords. And don't give me something common like house or car, because everybody can visualize that. Alfalfa. Well, I saw a field of hay. Now I'm seeing uh, bales of hay um, over where Mark's horses are. And I go, oops, that's grass hay. That's not alfalfa. Now I'm down at the zoo, and they used to feed alfalfa hay to the antelopes, and Nancy used to complain it was way too rich. But OK, you're wondering how did I get from alfalfa to Phoenix Zoo? OK, it's associational. There is a logical progression there. I've designed uh, handling facilities for all the major meat companies, Cargill, Tyson, uh, Swift. Half of the cattle in this country, when they go to a meat plant, that handled in a center track restrainer system that I designed. The three biggest plants in Canada have got my equipment. And my first big breakthrough was when I designed dip fat systems for the McElhaney Cattle Company and the Red River Cattle Company that was John Wayne's feed yard. And they worked really, really well. Like Beef Magazine and all the cattle magazines were there and one of them called it a work of art. I mean, I was just so happy. You know, people, you know, being autistic, they thought it was really weird, but my stuff worked. started doing my livestock handling class. I also guest lectured on humane slaughter methods, cattle handling, meat quality things, livestock behavior for the veterinary college. And my students in my class actually have to draw drawings. One of the interesting things I have found is that there are some students that absolutely can't draw, that have learning problems, and I can tell by looking at the drawings. Because, okay, instead of just drawing nice half circles that have got us all over the place, I just had a student this year in my class. Her drawings were really horrible. I were asking a student, so what are you seeing? She says, well, I see just waves. And I asked her if she hated driving at night, hated fluorescent lights, yes. Print jiggle on the page, yes. I suggested she go out and try on some different colored sunglasses. And she went out and got some little pink sunglasses and her economics grade went from a B to an A because now she could see the charts. And uh, I had one student, uh, the only computer she could use was the laptop because the screen didn't flicker. She printed her homework on tan paper. She thought these glasses were just a whole bunch of rubbish. You know, they tested her over here at the counseling center and you, know, you couldn't get the glasses off her. Cheap sunglasses, a simple intervention. Nobody knows how, why they work, but they do. There's a thing in, in brain physiology called the binding problem. We have color, shape, and motion circuits in our brain. They must work together to make a, a graphics file. Something's wrong with the binding problem. And it's a sensory distortion in the visual system. You know, I, a regular eye doctor can't fix it. A regular eye doctor can't do anything about it. And, and won't catch it either? No, no, that won't catch it. And there's kids flunking out of school that don't need to. That's the thing that's so disgusting. The and the only reason I know about this is because of the autism community.
One of the big concerns I have right now is getting people on the spectrum into good careers, computer science and stuff like that. As an autistic person, I am what I do more than what I feel. And I get a lot of satisfaction in life. You know, okay, I designed something and it works. Or I have a student say, well, you know, your course was really helpful to me. Or somebody likes one of my books, they say, well, it helped them with their autistic child or it helped them to understand their dog. That makes me really happy that I'm doing something that does something constructive on the ground. Dr. Temple Grandin, animal scientist, inventor, and autism educator and advocate. This interview comes to us from the archives and special collections at Colorado State University. It's part of their Society of Senior Scholars Oral History Project. Many thanks to interviewer Janet Bishop and her colleagues at CSU for working with us on this. This episode is part of our science and innovation series, The Experimenters. Thanks to Squarespace for their support. Support for this series also comes from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More information on Sloan at sloan.org. You can watch the animated version of this episode on our website, blankonblank.org. David Gerlach is the executive producer of Blank on Blank. This episode was produced by me, Amy Drozdowska, along with David, and with help from Jesse Wright Mendoza. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram, and learn just what we're uncovering lately in the archives. Before we go, Temple Grandin has more to say about the abundance of people with Asperger's where she works. Only most people call them something else. Asperger's has always been here. It has another name, geek and nerd. And when you get into the really smart kids, I get worried about them kind of getting held back by that label. Because, I mean, I know kind of odd maintenance guys that are just brilliant in appliance engineers. In fact, there's two and a half times as many engineers, family history of people with Asperger's. It's always been here. What I've noticed out in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of kids out there, they're Asperger's, uh, and they're geeks, they're nerds, and their parents kind of apprentice them into the computer industry where when the kid is maybe, you know, 11 years old, he's taught programming. By the time the kid's in high school, he's doing mom and dad's work on the computer, and they're just apprenticed in. Those are the lucky ones, and they're all over the tech industry. You know, and then I go out somewhere away from Silicon Valley, and I see a guy come up to the book table. He's got a big ponytail, and ought to be going to computer school, and they want to put him on welfare. I said, no, you know, he needs to be going to computer school. Mm -hmm.